Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. If you have your Bible, quickly go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 15. One of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. I see myself along with so many of you scattered personally along the verses in this chapter. And we're going to look at something that I think will help you and encourage you. Uh, My objective here today is simple. It is to be a blessing to you. To, to tell you in, in my feeble attempt, as much as I can, how crazy God is about you. I, I don't have a soapbox or an agenda to get up here and try to beat the devil out of you with the Bible. That doesn't work. Hate, mean-spirited religion, and legalism does not drive people to Jesus. We don't have a push gospel. We have a pull gospel. And when you realize that people are like broken pieces of metal and Jesus is the magnet, you can watch God start, oh, I feel like preaching up. You watch God start drawing people to himself. I don't, I don't blame them when I run into them over here at the gym or I, I meet them pumping gas at Quick Trip or find them on aisle six at Walmart and they say, I'm just, I'm not interested in the church thing. I know what they're saying when they say that. And I, I, I'm always intrigued and interested when someone throws that line out there because I know what they're saying. I've given up on church and I've given up on church people, but I haven't given up on God. And I, I, love, I love when the conversation goes that direction and I just talk to them and I just listen to them. I don't take a bunch of verses like a six-shooter and try to drop them dead where they stand. I just listen to them. And I talk to them. And I don't ever tell them I'm a preacher. Because the moment you say, oh, I'm a pastor, they're like, Hello, Reverend. I was working out at the gym one time in Jefferson where we live, and I was, I was working on this one fellow. And uh, he didn't know I was working on him, but we, we were working out together, and he was a uh, self-proclaimed atheist, and he was drop, dropping every bomb you can imagine. And about six weeks into our uh, workout relationship, He said, I never asked you, what do you do for a living? I said, here it goes. Here it goes. (laughs) I like the curiosity that the gospel couples with conviction. Sometimes God just gets people curious before they ever get convicted. And they get convicted before they ever get Converted. Thank God Jesus pulled me out of all that religious hogwash. Too many people out there trying to clean fish before they catch them. 
Just catch them. Just catch them. Catch them with love. Catch them with transparency. Be honest. Don't be a fake. Don't be a phony. Standing 28 inches above you on this platform makes me no different than you. I need Jesus as bad, if not worse, than anyone else in this room. Let's give him praise that he's wonderful. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture out of Luke 15. Right along with the mood of this meeting, Luke 15, verse 1, the Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. This place that he is residing, Luke in his specificity uses the word all, all the publicans and all the sinners. If, if publicans doesn't hit majority of the audience he's trying to inform. He throws out a bigger word with more general meaning and he says, sinners. They're all coming to hear him. Speaking of Jesus. And wherever there's Jesus and wherever there's sinners, there always will be some critical religious crowd. Then, notice what it says, the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Does he not know who these people are? Does he not know where they've come from? Does he not know what they've done? And he wants to hang out with them. He wants to sit and talk with them. And then he goes beyond the cardinal line you must not cross. He eats with them. Isn't that custom and culture to sit down at a triclinium table with someone who was contrary to your personal faith and belief was incomprehensible for the Son of God who was the Son of Man to sit and eat with sinners. I want to preach quickly on this thought today. Tales of the lost and found. Tales of the lost and found. I was 18 years old when for the first time in my life I heard the terminology of what it meant to be, quote unquote, lost. I had never heard the word lost. I had never heard the word saved in the spiritual biblical context like it was being delivered to me at that church on that Sunday morning when I was a senior in high school. I remember the preacher many times during the message making a reference to what it was like to be lost. I remember thinking to myself, lost as in how? I'm here. I know where I'm at. I know how to get back to my parents' house. How lost can I really be? 
And I remember as he began to preach and the Spirit of God began to move in that room, my eyes of understanding were opened up and the word lost began to take on a very specific meaning, specific and personal to who I was and where I was. And I recognized when he began to talk about what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to be saved, what it meant to know you were forgiven and know that you were going to heaven. I had never even thought about knowing that you could go to heaven. I was thinking maybe I hope I will go to heaven, but to know you're going to heaven, to know that Christ has come into your life and saved you and transformed you and changed you, it was foreign to me, and my curiosity led me back to that church on that Sunday night. And in those old-fashioned Sunday night services, they would have what you call a testimony service. And people would stand up in the sanctuary, and they would testify about what life was like before they were saved, and they would always use the word lost. I remember wondering what someone lost had to do in order to be found. The Bible teaches and tells us that the lost were drawn to Jesus. The lost are identified by Luke as sinners. I want everybody to say that word with me. Sinners. Everybody say that word one more time. Sinners. That word sinner, if you and I were to break it down in the Greek, means a person or an individual that is devoted to sin. Now, we must do a further exposition of this because the reason a sinner is a person devoted to sin is because they are unable to get free from it. They are devoted to that lifestyle because it's all they know. It's all they recognize. It's all they identify with. And it's all they have. They are devoted to sin because if you go to the fullest extent of the Greek meaning, that's right, you're learning some Greek this afternoon at New Grace. It means a person who is stained and trapped by their vices and their crimes. And Luke tells us that wherever Jesus went, people who were stained and trapped by their vices and their crimes came to him. They pursued him. They went looking for him. The Bible says they were drawn to him. One may read this and like the Pharisees ask today, why? Were people who are stained and trapped in sin drawn to the holy, majestic, divine Son of God? Well, I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this. They were drawn to him because Jesus was pursuant of sinners. Can I say this? It is Jesus who always makes the first move. It was not the disciples that went looking for Jesus. It was Jesus that went looking for the disciples. It doesn't take me long to look around this room and look in the mirror and realize there was nobody in this room that went looking for Jesus, but there was a day, a time, and a place in our life when Jesus went looking for us. 
I want to stop and clear off a spot and brag on my God and say I'm glad that 20 years ago he came looking for me. He found me where I was. He called my name. He dialed my number. I want to praise God today at New Grace that Jesus found me when I was stained, when I was trapped, when I was guilty, when I was lost. I wonder if there's anybody else today that would help me get happy if you're glad that he came looking for you. Somebody help me bless his name. Jesus was compassionate towards sinners. They tried to catch him off his A game. They found a woman who was in the middle of sleeping with somebody who wasn't her husband. And they drug her and they cast her down before Jesus in the presence of everybody. And they said the holy law of God says that this woman should be stoned. What say ye? Jesus leaned over, bent down, and he doodled in the dirt. And he stood up and he said, He among you that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says in John 8, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped the rocks and walked away. And may I report to you, the only one qualified to throw a rock was the one doodling in the dirt. And instead of hurling a rock, he said, woman, where are those thine accusers? She said, no man, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn thee. And Jesus was compassionate. Woo! He was compassionate towards sinners. Jesus was hope for sinners. When he spread his arms on Calvary, nailed to that gruesome tree, dying for the sin of humanity, a thief on one side mocked and railed him. But the thief on the right side, the thief on the right side of Calvary looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, and that's a pretty good start, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, verily, verily, today I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Do you know what the world needs right now in 2022? It needs hope. I said it needs hope. It needs Jesus because Jesus is our hope. If the only hope we have is in this life, if the only hope we have is college education, if the only hope we have is nine to five, if the only hope we have is IRAs and 401Ks, if the only hope we have is trucks, cars, houses, and land, if the only hope we have, we are bankrupt, we are void, and we are empty. But I want to go ahead and serve notice on the devil. And I want to tell the church that Jesus is, Jesus was, and Jesus always will be the hope for America, the hope for the world, the hope for the lost, and the hope for the sinner. Somebody help me give him praise if you believe. Jesus is the hope. Jesus was welcomed 
among sinners. Rejected by the religious crowd. But welcomed by those stained and trapped with sin. I want to say this today as I look around this room. I don't care who comes and I don't care who leaves. As long as Jesus is always here, every time we gather, as long as the agenda, the objective, the mission, and the vision always lands back on Jesus, we will build a church that will glorify God and people will experience new life in Christ. As these people are drawn to him, Religious crowd leans in one to another and says, can you believe that this man claiming to be God, wrapped in human flesh, would hang out and sit at the table with the discarded leftovers of society like this? Have you ever tried going to church because you was going to try God out. And you walked into one of them places and they got them creaky doors on the sanctuary. And you walked in late hoping nobody would notice you. But when you swung open that door and that WD-40-less door swung wide open, Every head in the sanctuary said, and looked at you like a calf staring at a new gate, wondering what you were doing up in there. Why did you come here today? I'm confused why we, as the representatives of Jesus, should have our arms open saying whosoever you 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 don't need to forget that that's in the bible because there was a day in your life when you were a whosoever whosoever does not have any boundaries or parameters on it whosoever we don't need to start drawing lines where god gave us open space we don't need to start ruling people out based on their last name or where they came from or what they drove or what they wore if you'll notice there was no dress code if you'll notice we weren't checking w-2s if you'll notice i don't care what color you are if you'll notice it to whosoever will. Well, you don't have to get so into it. Up there acting like you believe this. I'm confused. Why is it okay for a college football coach to round down the sidelines acting crazy over something that's going to change next season? And I've got something that's eternal and everlasting and a promise and a sure word of God, but I can't enjoy myself. We ought to do a good job. 
you're going to throw them, throw them right here. Throw them right here. Anybody running with Jesus was always running after the people that nobody else wanted. I was preaching one time when I was in my early 20s. I had a short stint where I pastored in Athens, Georgia. And I was preaching about this kind of thing. And I was up talking about how if we'll do what Jesus did, all kind of folk will walk up in the place. But I got specific. You got to understand. My roots run into old-fashioned hell, fire, brimstone, Holy Ghost meeting, tent revival popping, sin-hating, devil-chasing, Jesus-loving, Bible-thumping preacher. I know you can't tell none of that because I'm all cool and trendy up here with my little H&M Carhartt blend going on. I pastored a church that had suits and ties and dresses down to the floor for the women. Old-fashioned type church. And I was preaching about this and I said, if we'll do what Jesus did, the lost will find us. And then the lost will be found by him. And I said, if we're doing our job, all the addicts, And the Slick Willies and the Johnny Come Latelys and the Booty Judy. I kept it biblical for them. I said, whoremonger. <laughs> Fornicators and idolaters. I used to go up in the nursing home and preach on idolatry and witchcraft, and gambling, how bingo wasn't biblical, <laughs> preach on fornication and adultery. I was up in them nursing home preaching on sins and people wish they could commit. I was preaching. <laughs> and I was talking about how God will draw people. And this older gentleman stopped me at the door after the service. And he said, son, you've done all right today, but you need to turn it down on that whole anybody can show up here. I said, why is that? I ain't going to say his name. I said, why is that, Brother Bobby? He said, <laughs> he said, you keep saying all that, and then people are going to think it's all right to come. I said, sir, with all due respect, look at me in my God-given eyeballs and read my lips. That is exactly why we do what we do. That is why we do this on this hill. That is why we preach this book. That is why we make much of Jesus, because this is not a preference. 
based organization. This is built on the foundation that Jesus died for anybody that's done anything that's been anywhere. And as long as I've got breath in my lungs, blood in my veins, a brain in my hand, and a Bible, bless God, I'm going to preach Jesus. Come on, JJ, help me close. We'll get to the rest of the sermon some other time. Jesus puts the crosshairs on the religious people. He doesn't. You've got you to keep reading. All I did was read you two verses. What the lost and found is discovered in the rest of the chapter. They said, can you believe this guy lets these kind of people hang out with him? And Jesus doing as he so well did it, aims the crosshairs right at all those critical religionists. And he tells three timeless stories. One about a lost sheep, one about lost silver, and one about a lost son. He says, suppose one of you have got has a hundred sheep, and one of them go missing. A good shepherd will leave the 99, and he'll go off in the wilderness and find that sheep that lost its way. And he'll find him, and he'll pick him up and take him back from the place he wandered from. Don't let those little nursery storybook rhymes and pictures fool you. Sheep are not clean creatures. They're dirty. They're, dirt, they're dirty. I've seen them up close and personal in Israel. Filthy. Wool's all matted. All kind of junk hanging on their hind end. Disgusting creatures. Dirty. Dumb. They're dumb. A sheep will walk right off a cliff to his own death. They're directionless. If they wander from a fold or flock, they have no way of making it back by themselves. No wonder God compared. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Jesus said in Luke 19, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The sheep is the person who just lost its way, and I want you to know if you're that sheep today, as a lost individual, I want you to know it is God pursuing you today. It's not an accident you got invited to this gathering. It's not an accident that you pulled in the parking lot. It's not an accident that you sit in the seat you're sitting in today, and it's not an accident I'm preaching this message to you. Because God pursuing you. The next story was about a piece of lost silver. There was a woman. She had ten pieces of silver. And the Bible said she loses one. It's interesting. The silver is not like the sheep. The sheep left because it was dumb. Because it was dumb. And it was dirty. And it was directionless. And it left on its own. But the silver was lost because somebody misplaced it. The silver was lost because somebody that held it dropped it. 
Can I preach this for a second? Can I say that you might be in this room and you're spiritually lost because somebody religiously dropped you? Your parents raised you in a, in, a, in, a, in a home that taught you a warped, distorted view of who God was and how God works, and you're done with church, but God's not done with you. You know what that owner of the silver did? She lit a candle, and she swept that house until she found it. You know what helped me when I read that story this morning? It was lost, but at least it was lost in the house. It might have been lost, but it was still searchable, it was still findable, and it was still retrievable. There's somebody in this room today, you're lost silver. And you've been living a life under the umbrella of victimhood. And it's not your fault you're where you are. But today is the day where you have to own where you are and take responsibility and understand that God in his mercy and grace is looking for you and today God has found you. I know you don't value you and I know they don't value you, but I want you to know the Father is in this room and he values you today. Anybody got a $100 bill? $100. Leave it to the preacher to have one. $100. Pastor Jeff, would you like this back? You don't want to be a blessing to your pastor and let him keep it. You love me. <laughs> you sure you want it back? What's this worth to you? It's worth $100, isn't it? What if I tear a corner off? What if I ball it up? What if I throw it down? What if I step on it? What if I call it everything under the sun? What if I tell you it ain't worth 10 cents? What if I hide it from you and you lose it and you can't find it? Can I ask you a question? What's it worth to you? Still worth $100. You know why? The value of this currency is not based on what happens to it or what takes place or where it's thrown or you can stomp on it, you can spit on it, you can curse it, you can call it whatever you want to, but it's worth $100 because the one who owns it is the one who determines the value of it. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I want to tell you something. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are washed. You are clean. You are more. You are his. Your family. Somebody help me. Give God a praise. If you are. You're the lost silver. There you go, preacher man. The lost son. We all know this story from Sunday school. The boy who asked for his daddy's inheritance early took every dime his daddy gave him, went off in the foreign country, and Luke says he wasted it on living like a yard dog. But everything he had out there in the foreign country 
eventually came to a screeching halt because the money that he was rolling with stopped rolling. The Bible says he began to be in want. Can I ask you a question? Why does it take us walking away from God, doing our own thing our own way, getting out to the farthest extent of who we said we'd never be, and messing our life up just to discover all over again that the foreign country would never measure up to the Father's house. That boy's laid up in a pig pen, about to eat a corn husk, and it hits him. There are servants back at the farm who've got it better than I do right now. I'll just go back and tell my dad I messed up and I'll just be a servant in his house. And the lost son, he's not like a sheep. Sheep can't find their way back. Silver is dependent on someone else to find it and help us recognize its value and not its victimhood. But a son, a son knows better. A son turns 18 and says, bump this church stuff. Four out of five teenagers will turn 18 and leave church for good. Atheism is at an all-time high. People are turning from the faith, rejecting God and his church. And lost sons and daughters go do their own thing their own way. But the thing about a son or a daughter is they recognize the only way to be found is to go back home where they came from. And this kid's expecting the worst. He's got his little speech scribbled down on the palm of his hand, rehearsing his apology. But to his surprise, the Bible says that when he was great, a ways off, his daddy was looking for him. The whole time he was gone, his daddy had him on his mind and his eyes on the horizon looking for his boy. Tops that hill, and he's coming back to the house, and the Bible says that the father ran to him. I have royally ticked my dad off a few times in this life. And in those moments where I last saw his lip quiver and his chin bulge out and that brow go into that full metal jacket look, I thought, there is no way I need to go around him in the next seven days. And to this boy's surprise, the father runs to him, falls on him, covers him with kisses, and squeezes him with a hug from heaven and said, this, my son, was dead and now alive. He was lost and now he's found. Maybe you're the lost son who walked away in this life. The same God that pursues the sheep and the same God that values the silver is the same God who's waiting for you to just come back to him. The tales 
from the lost and found. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.